and I, sometimes one of the hardest things is meeting here is that there's so much noise in the back. But um, when we begin to pray, I want to ask everyone as much as possible, let's, let's honor that moment and, and, and stop the conversations and then pray, and then you can resume. So that's, uh, there's a lot of chatter. While Pastor Ron was praying, all right, so let, let's, be, let's be respectful. All right, let's continue our series. Uh, the Lord will gather his people. The Lord gathered. Ezekiel 34, let's go right into Ezekiel 34, verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. All right, so I just want to. Uh, first of all, I want to also welcome Sterling and his girlfriend Angel. You guys, welcome. You know, good to see you. And uh, so, if you guys want to come closer, we've got seats here too. So, if you guys want to move, now that the kids have moved, somebody can move forward. But, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. This great, great promise, this great work, and we've been looking at. Um, the meaning and significance of the Lord, His promise, He Himself will, will do something special. So let's pray. Father, we thank You for this moment that we can come to the Word of God. Lord, this Word is so precious to me. It has been the source of so much joy, so much, Lord, just feasting to know You, Lord, that we can know God. Lord Jeremiah said, let not the rich man boast in his riches. Don't let, Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, but let him who boasts, who rejoices, rejoice in this, that he knows me. So I pray that's our aim. We want to know Christ. We want to know God. We don't want to just have a head knowledge of God. We want to know Jesus Christ. Lord, so help us today that all that we say would promote the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. Help us to settle our hearts. Give us ears to hear. You said, let him who has an ear, let him hear. And so I pray you would help us to hear today, O oh God, and that you, O oh God, would be magnified. In this moment, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do a little review. A little review. We're going to pick up. Um, what, does the, what, did, what did we learn? We learned that um, the Lord God himself will seek his sheep. Um, this, is what, this is a strategy that I use for myself for Bible study. I ask specific questions. I cannot import my own meaning as much as people want to do that. We can't do that. We got to come to the Word of God, and the Word of God has to be imported into us, not the other way around. So I ask this question. One of the things I basically ask is, "What does the text say?" And I, I put it very simply in my own words: "The Lord God Himself will seek His sheep." I get that, just semantically. That's not complicated. But, I, but now I've got to try to see what, what's the biblical meaning of seek in the Bible, not, not what it says in the Oxford Dictionary. I've got to find out how 
the writers of the, of the Old Testament use this word, seek. What we find out is that this word is used to describe two related but distinct ideas. Um, who, that particularly um, ideas that have to do with priestly functions. A priest, is, as if you read your Bible, the Bible, God instituted a temple, and inside that temple there were these laborers, these workers. And these workers were called priests. And they were, their sole responsibility was to guard the sanctuary, guard that temple. And this word seek, we find, uh, has to do with their work. And that, this, this word is going to basically describe two activities, two priestly activities. First of all, the word is going to describe the priestly activity of carefully inspecting. Right? Carefully inspecting. Um, the idea of, we see that in Leviticus 13, I'm, I'm not going to read it there, but in that passage, um, a leper would come, he, had these, he has these things in his body, and it, and, the, and the priest is looking for certain things, particularly he's looking for yellow hair, um, because yellow hair is indicated of, can be indicated of something. So he's seeking this yellow hair. Second, secondly, we learned last week that the word to seek not only means to carefully inspect, but it also means to differentiate between different kinds of animals. And so we have here in Leviticus 27, in Leviticus 27, we see here the priest, right, and in verse 33, and it said, and one shall not differentiate between, this is the same word for seeking in the Hebrew, right, same word. The idea that when the, the Lord says, I myself will seek them out, what he is saying is, I myself will carefully inspect and differentiate. Alright, so, so we can begin to have a basic understanding of what is going on in the Lord's mind. And then last week we said to ourselves, okay, what could this mean in its historical context? So we have to ask the historical question. The Bible is real history. It is not myths. It is real history with living people just like you and I. That God uh, decided to do specific things in that history and it was recorded. It was recorded for us. And so we, we have to ask the basic question, what does this text mean in its historical, not in my context, first the historical context. We respect history. Amen? And so a lot of theologians, a lot of scholars don't want to, they, they, we, post, our postmodern culture basically says we are, the, we are the center of the universe. <laughs> and we can define meaning. That's garbage. Don't accept that. You don't define meaning. God does. God defines meaning. And we can find that meaning very clearly in the Bible. Right? You don't apply common sense. You come to the Bible to find out what, what is common sense. <laughs> And then from the Bible, you have building blocks to put together something for your life that will prosper, something you can walk on. Amen? So let's, let's, let's really rely on the Word of God as much as possible. Do not rely on your feelings. Don't let your feelings dictate what reality is. Amen? We're living in a world that that's been so, so mixed. But by the grace of God, and that's why we do a lot of work with the children. 
and the youth because they've been they've been taught this from young from kindergarten that you can be you can define whatever you want to uh, you can define reality the way you want no you cannot and you're gonna hit a brick wall and all we're doing is setting up kids to hit a brick wall <laughs> that's it and then we want to walk we're gonna make the prices among the children yes we do <laughs> and it's your fault for teaching them nonsense Things that don't matter, that don't have no real, but you get a lot of the kids' feelings. So, so we, we take this very seriously. We've got to rely on the Word of God. Praise God for the Word of God. And what we find out is that the leaders of Israel failed to carefully inspect the differentiate between the children of Israel. So the question that we asked last week, we said that we would ask three questions. Right? We, we wanted to ask three questions. And so we first we're going to ask the question, how can I even begin to understand what does it mean to carefully, for the priest to carefully inspect and differentiate between the sheep. What? You know, that, that's the first question. Second question that we're going to ask, and we'll pick that one up today, is what are the consequences of failing to carefully inspect the sheep? And then thirdly, I'll deal with this question next week. What, what was, why did they, why did they fail to? What was the reason? But last week we said, um, what, what did we find? Um, how can we begin to, how can we begin to understand the meaning um, what does it mean to carefully inspect the Lord's sheep? Well, last week, last week we learned, right? So we have to figure out, inspect what? From a historical context, the priests. They failed, they failed to seek the sheep of the Lord. They failed to carefully inspect the sheep. So what does that mean? I mean I, I, to me, it's like, it's like these, are, these are basic fundamental questions that I need to understand. But what do you mean by they failed to inspect? That they, you know, whatever. They're not lepers. Well, what we find is that the, in, we learned that in the Old Testament, right, the Lord had given the priests, the Levitical priests, charge over the offerings of the people, right? And they were expected, one of the things that they were supposed to do is that when a person from the village or from the town came with their animal to sacrifice to the Lord, the priest had to in carefully inspect the animal. They couldn't just accept any kind of animal. If he bought a cat, what, what would the priest do? No cats. Praise God, right? No dogs either. <laughs> so, you know. Right? There was no, so if, if a person brought a cat, the priest would say, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I, I heard that you can bring an animal. And this cat is annoying to me. <laughs> and the priest said, no, I know he's annoying, but take it back. <laughs> take it back. There were, there were specific animals that they had to put out. The, the children of Israel would bring animals. And the priest had the responsibility to take that animal. And the first thing they would do, they had to inspect to make sure that this animal met the conditions that God has set apart. And we see that in Deuteronomy 17.1. Deuteronomy 17.1. You shall not, the Lord is telling these priests, listen up priests, you better not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep, which is a blemish, in which is a blemish. Any defect, whatever, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. So, so the Lord made it very clear, even... It looks like a sheep, but the fact that it was a sheep 
it's not enough, it's not a sufficient condition to be sacrificed. It had, okay, sheep, good. It qualifies as one of the animals that God said you can sacrifice. But now it cannot have a defect. So the priests were given the responsibility of examining the sacrifices of the people. That they were guard. Ah, right? They were like a, a spiritual customs. How many, how many have traveled to different countries? You know? Do you get a little nervous when you go to customs? Yeah. <laughs> Some of us do because I, I remember first I remember one time I went to Cuba and they said to me, um, you better not let them know that you're there to tell people about Jesus. Don't don't do that. You know, so I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? No, yeah, I understood. He said, uh, don't don't let them know. Just tell them that you're you're visiting Cuba. Hablale en español. Sí, país de la maravilla, right? And um, why? Because when, and so when I went to customs, do you think I was a little nervous? Yeah, baby, I was like, okay, Lord, we're giving you the order. See, I can't stay in the país, but I said, right? So you, you give him some praise. God, we went through, you know. But you know, it's a customs. They're, they're they're guarding the borders. Who's coming in? Who's coming out? And um, what are you bringing in? Right? Spiritual priests are that. They're supposed to stand at the threshold. Say, oh, excuse me, paper, animal. Check. Do we still do that today? Apparently not. I must have liked that. <laughs> but they, they checked, and, and the whole point is the Lord gave the priest the responsibility of guarding over the holiness of the temple. Look at Ezekiel 43 12. Ezekiel 43 12. Uh, this is so, you know, to be a priest. Uh, that's why only one tribe, only God gave only one tribe. Said, "Look, I'm going I'm to put a burden." He put, it, he did not put that burden on every tribe, but there was this massive burden. The greatest burden that anyone can carry was to be a priest, not a doctor, not a judge, not a king, nothing. The greatest burden was to be a priest of the Lord, because you're dealing with a God who takes, who is not a slouch. And he wants things certain way. So these priests, and the Lord tells him, he says, this is, uh, this is the law of the temple. Listen up, this is a law, not a suggestion, not guidelines. The Lord said, this is the law of the temple, the whole territory. The whole territory of, of, on top of the mountain shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the temple. So these priests were given... Um, a, a responsible, carefully inspecting the worship of the people. Israel's leaders failed to do that. Israel's leaders, they just failed. So the Lord says in Ezekiel 34, 11, right? We can read that scripture. And the Lord himself said, I myself will seek, carefully inspect. I will do this. Thank you very much. The Lord is saying, I'm, I'm going to do it myself. I can't trust you guys. You guys... I can't trust you. So, and now we come to we come to this a massively important question. The leaders failed. The shepherds of Israel failed to carefully inspect the people, the worship. 
So the question, second question that we have to bring up today is, what are the consequences? What are the consequences of failing to carefully inspect the Lord's sheep? I think the consequences are obvious. Maybe, maybe not. It's obvious to me. But I still think it's important that we, as a people, as a church, carefully consider a failure to carefully inspect, to take that responsibility of the church, the burden that God has given, there are consequences. And that's why, so this stuff, I'm eating this up because I feel the burden. I feel the call of God. I feel, okay, this is serious. There's a responsibility that God has given us, given the priest, and we want to know what those consequences are. And so let's go on. I think, I think these consequences are, can be obvious, but I believe that God's controversy with the priest in Malachi is going to be very helpful to show us what happens when leaders, shepherds, fail to carefully inspect the sheep. What, what, what happens? Let's go to Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. A son, this is the Lord speaking, and he's speaking um, to the priest, not to the people. He's speaking to those who have the charge of the sanctuary. He's speaking to those who have the responsibility of, of guarding, carefully inspecting, right? The Lord is speaking to them, and he says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? Now, I wish I could spend weeks on this passage. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible were not. But just, just I hope that you can go back and just, uh, there's something at stake of God's honor. So you got, you got, you're in a pickle because God's honor is the most supreme thing there is. Where's my honor? If I am a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of hosts. Oh, priest who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? Verse 7. By offering polluted food upon my altar. Offering polluted food. Do you think this still happens today? Yes. Oh, no, that's Old Testament. Yes. But this was written for us. So we better get this right. How do you offer polluted food? We better got, we got, we figure it out. <laughs> right? Do you, feel, do you feel the burden? We gotta figure it out because, uh-oh, it's possible to bring polluted food upon the Lord's altar. It's possible. So I, I love the, 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 the questions of possibility. Because the Lord says it, be careful that you say, well, if he's saying it, it's because there's a danger. It's because there's a warning in it. I love what somebody said once. Maybe if the church has spent more time, as the same amount of time with the warnings of God as much as they did with the promises of God, maybe we wouldn't have been in the mess that we are. Right? <laughs> right? 
We spend so much time on the promises of God, but do we spend time on the warnings of God? The warnings are just as valuable. Praise God for the warnings. Amen? Praise God that God loves us so much that He gives us promises, but then He warns us also. And those warn, those warnings, they direct us. They're like guardrails. Amen? And so He said, I offer polluted food upon my altar. The word there, polluted, simply means to defile, to desecrate. To make unclean. The priests were accepting from the people and offering those sacrifices from the people with defects to God. Wow. And I said, Lord, how do, how, do we, how do we do this, Lord? We could do this. Now, why would the priest offering animals with defects? It's very simple. Right? It's very simple. Um, they were failing to carefully inspect the animals. I mean, it's not rocket science, but it's not complicated. They were failing, um, they were failing to carefully inspect and examine the sacrifices of the people. You know, the people were doing the right thing in, in one sense. The people were bringing their land, their, right? They were bringing the people, but the failure, the failure was at the, in, the, in the temple, not, not you know, the people. You know, God doesn't charge the people. Hey, why are you bringing them in? You know, there isn't that kind of conversation. Uh, there probably will be, but, but it begins with the house of God. It begins with uh, the priest. Hey, but you, what are you doing? Um, you're bringing this animal. This animal's not fit. For God. Right? I mean, how, you know, he says, um, he says here, but in, in verse 7, um, by offering polluted food upon my altar, but you say, I mean, these questions, you gotta meditate. How have we polluted? How have we um, polluted you? And, and in fact, they had no idea. Isn't that scary? That you can be polluting the altar and be like, clues. Be like, I've been good today. And the Lord's like, you just offered me a rat. <laughs> smells like a rat. And you think you brought a lamb. Right? I mean, isn't this, isn't this sobering? That, that they had no clue. How have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals, is that not evil? When you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. I mean, how long could it have taken the priest to look at the animal, and the animal had been, hey, blind, and you walk this way, and the, and the animal goes the other way. Hey, how long, how long would it take? Well, yeah, he's blind. He can't, he can't see me. How long could it have taken the priest to do a, a simple inspection to see that the eyes are glazed over? <laughs> right? It's like, what's wrong with his eyes? Something's wrong with his eyes. Well, it's, it's blind. Take it back. Right? No, no inspection. How, how long would it have taken the priest to realize that the sheep is like this? <laughs> how long? Lame. I mean, literally, right? Like, these are not like an internal blood. It's not like lymphoma. Just, nobody knows. You don't see anything. Right? Cancer sometimes, person looks totally healthy. 
He has no idea that they have cancer. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about visual defects. Blind, they don't have, their eyes are glazed over. Um, the sheep is walking like this. <laughs> They're like, what, what, what's, what's with the, oh, he, he broke his calf last, last year. What? Take it back. How about a sickly? <coughs> you ever see dogs that are, that are animals or dogs that are sick? It's obvious, right? They're just not themselves. It becomes obvious that something's not right. So haven't we done the same thing in the church today? We just accept people from church membership. As long as they have the right forms, right? As long as they <laughs> right? Um, progressive church to celebrate. We accept everybody. Well, talking about even if they hate God. So the immediate consequences of failing to carefully inspect the Lord's sheep is offering a polluted food on the altar. What is the altar? Right? All of these things are filled with meaning, symbols, and, and what's the altar? Uh, the altar of the Lord was desecrated. Well, what does that mean? Well, nothing in the Old Testament is more prominent as a biblical image of worship. The altar is where you offer sacrifices to God. Right? In the Old Testament, it was a physical altar. That's not the case no more. Praise God. Amen? You know, some people still have little altars at home. Right? Usually it's pagan religions, but, but Protestant uh, who believe in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, they understand that there's no more altar. Christ has fulfilled it all. Right? But is, is there still an altar of worship? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just not in the physical realm. Right? So in the, in the Old Testament, the, the altar is that place of sacrifice. That place where you brought your gifts and offering and offered them to God as sacrifice, as a pleasing, acceptable offering, oftentimes for the forgiveness of your sin or just for the blessing of God upon your land, upon your people, upon your family. Right? The altar, that, 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 it wasn't automatic. It was like, Lord, can you um, bless me today? And the Lord be like, blessed. <laughs> no! Bring your sacrifice. Bring your animal. It's burnt up. Blood is poured. Very messy. The priest, right, he's doing it. And then the aroma goes up to God. And he's pleased. Forgive him. You're blessed. You know, God has an order. And you might say, why he's doing it that way? Well, study his word. There's a, there's a very good reason why he's doing it that way. But the altar is, is, is where we worship God. It's the most visible sign of devotion to the true God in the Old Testament is the building of altars. So the altar is a symbol and a place for worship of God's people and bringing their sacrifices. When, you see, when leaders fail to carefully inspect and examine the worship of the people, there is a polluting of the altar, the spiritual altar. There's a contamination. Right? There's a contamination of the worship. The corporate worship of the people is affected. Now, I, don't, I don't believe... Do you, do you think that every person back then in Malachi brought a defective animal? Do you think every single... I don't think every single person brought a defect, defective animal. 
I, I think that there's always people that say, no, 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 no. No, no, we're giving the best to the Lord. This is our best cow, this is our best bowl, whatever. Um, that goes to the Lord. Ain't right? There's always people, and they'll bring their best, and they bring their cup to God. But then there were these other ones that were just bringing, oh, that one broke his leg, let's bring it to the Lord. That one is blind, ah, let's get rid of that one. Let's give that to the Lord. Right? Giving crumbs to God. Giving not the best, right? This idea. But I believe in the midst of all that, there were people that were brought real good pleasing sacrifices to God. Yet, yet, listen to this. The Lord said, the altar is polluted. The altar is still polluted. In other words, it affects everybody. It's not like, okay, polluted altar, well, here comes Bob, he's a faithful, let me clean the altar, and his, his altar. No, the, the entire altar is polluted. So that everything, a little leaven, leaveneth what? The whole lot. Everything is contaminated. I, and I believe that many of us, we struggle, right? and we all suffer. Remember the Lord began to say that. Emmanuel, your struggles has to do because the whole body is suffering. The whole body is suffering. You know, God wants to bring revival to the whole body. So when the body is broken, when the body is weak, when the, bo when the body is compromised, you and I, although we're seeking God, and although we're, we're trying to do the best we can, we're not perfect, but you will be affected. You will be affected. Our devotion to God will be affected because, because when one member suffers, we all suffer. We all suffer. So the idea that this corporate worship is so important to God because one person can defile it for everybody else. That's just the way it is. And God allowed it that way. Why? To stress the issue of corporate unity. You better care for each other. You better pray for each other because you know what? It's, it's all or none. And I'm glad he did it that way. I don't particularly like him. <laughs> I wish it was like me and Jesus and, the, and, the, and the, everybody else. No, but the Lord said, no. It ain't going to be me and you. It's going to be us. So pray for your brothers. Pray for them. Pray. Ask, ask God to revive the body. Not just your heart. Not just my heart. But pray that God, God I, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Strengthen all of us. We need the Lord right now. God, I, I know my heart is faithful. Praise God. But that's not enough. I want my brothers and sisters to be with me. Amen. How many prayer like that? Or are you just happy that your life with the Lord is good? You shouldn't be content. You should be crying, weeping over the God's people, saying, Lord, bring revival. A strength in the hearts of your people. Lord, let them, let them be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? So if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, praise God. But that's not good enough. God wants His body to be filled. And so this, this, this reminds us that, that, that this corporate worship is something that we need to take seriously. Now, when the priest carefully is, you know, when the priest failed to carefully inspect the Lord's seat, there are specific kinds of worship. There are specific kinds of defects. I don't think this is. I don't think this is a, uh, an accident. I believe this is very, very instructional. When the priests failed to carefully inspect the animals, there are three kinds of defects that the Lord that the Lord mentions um, were offered. Right? Three kinds of defects. I believe this is true in every case. That when leaders fail to 
inspect carefully, I think we will have the same three kinds of worship. First of all, Malachi 1.8, when the priest failed to carefully inspect the Lord's sheep, the priest, the priest began offering blind animals. Blind, I don't think this is just the Lord just saying, no, 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 I think this is very, very meaningful. Blind animals. One of the things that comes from a lack of really guarding the house of God is worship of blind animals. So what in the world? You know, the blind, you know, the blind means um, it has to do with, with lacking visual perception, but can also refer to the lack of knowledge, right? So, let's, so that word is up. But in this case, it refers to a physical impairment of the eyes. The animal cannot see. So what does it mean to offer the Lord a blind animal in worship? I believe churches are filled with blind animal, animal worship. What does it mean? I believe that this refers to worship that does not come out of a meaningful relationship and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're, they don't see. They don't know. To see in the Bible is this idea of the fullness of experience. They're blinded. They've never come to really know the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. These people are offering sacrifices, may know about the Lord, but they don't know the Lord. You see the difference? And you offer sacrifices that without eyes, you're not really seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen? It was a little quiet. I trust that God is just encouraging your heart. But this, I believe this is extremely important. That, that we, that, that because I, I think that there's so much of this happening in, in the land today. People that come to church, and because shepherds that fail to carefully inspect the sheep, um, the, it, the church becomes polluted with people totally blind to the glory and the majesty and the beauty of Jesus Christ. Totally like, I don't know why you're so excited about him. He's nice, I mean, he's been good, you know, amen? But I don't understand why. What do you see? <laughs> what do we see? Yeah. We see something so magnificent, it, it, it's beyond definition. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4, in their case, the God of this world, how, how often the things of this world blind the minds of unbelievers. Isn't that just, I don't think, just those who are not saved, but oftentimes those who just, they have come to a place of just not really believing all that Christ has done, although they may be in the church, to keep them from seeing, right? Seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Do you see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ? How often do you see it? When you see it, what do you do? Do you stop? Do you rejoice? Do you say, hmm, I like that? Uh, what do you do? <laughs> you got to do something. Amen? Otherwise, what's our worship? 
For, who, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen? This is real. You see, I've seen something of Christ. I didn't, I didn't get this in seminary. Nevertheless, many who are blind to the glory of Christ come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and offer to God sacrifice. They're blind. They don't really, they're just worshiping. They're just whatever. But they have no real meaningful visual right understanding of what Christ is. And I think the churches are filled with this. This has been a burden in my heart in the, in the last couple of months. It's like, oh God, how many really, really are tasting and seeing that the Lord is good? Or is that just a verse in our lips? And God has, God wants to fill us. God wants, Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. So he wants to fill us. He wants to have, he wants us, he wants to give us something real. So that our faith may not stand on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. Amen. I just want to encourage you. This is not theory. This is not a system of thought. This is an encounter with the living God uh, by the Holy Spirit in Christ. Amen. And that God wants to bring us into this. And the fault of this is oftentimes the shepherds. Look, look at 1 Samuel 2.12. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. You know who were the sons of Levi? They were the sons of the priests, right? The sons of Eli, right? They were priests. They were work. They did not know the Lord. The, the, the priests themselves did not know the Lord. So I want to encourage you. God has a lot more for each and every one of us. But it begins with an understanding of who God is. Amen? I remember years ago, when years ago I felt the Lord say, man, Sundays are a burden to me. And I was like, what? I thought Sunday would be your favorite day, Lord. He said, oh, no! Are you kidding me? And I began to understand why. Look at, look at Isaiah chapter 1. This is, not, this is not new. God has felt it like this before. Isaiah 1. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my course? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Do you see that? What can he can't endure iniquity and solemn assembly? Can't endure. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. And I began to understand, oh God, Sunday morning, so many people honor me with their lips, but their heart is so far from me. And the land is filled with blind animals. On Monday, the, the, the fire of that worship, there's, there's, less, there's less smoke. <laughs> God said, thank you. <laughs> but Sunday, blind animals, lame animals, right, that goes up by the millions. And I, and I said, oh God, I get it. I, I get it. See, how much, how much did the knowledge... 
of the majesty and the greatness of Christ fueled your worship. In song to him this morning, how much, how much did it fuel? It's a serious question. How much did the greatness of Jesus Christ fuel your singing to him? Fueled your passion? Or did you just do what you normally do? Set my spirit free, that I my worship thee. Set my spirit free, that I my worship. But I mean, you can sing songs. You can sing them. You know what I mean? I've done it. You've done it, right? At the cross. At the cross. When I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. Wait. Come on, let's be honest. But you've done it for years. Oh, that was good this morning. Really? But nothing. Now, do you think a person who's fueled by the glory of Jesus Christ sings like that? No. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart, they moved. Right? Worship becomes something because he's something so good to you. You see his mercy. You see his goodness. And every song is just a fountain. You know, people say, oh, I don't like that style. What? <laughs> when you have Jesus on the inside, you can say anything. <laughs> Because he transforms. Because it's coming out. He can have great words that just hit the spot and simple words that just stir our love and affection. So how much did, how much, what did you offer to the Lord this morning? It's an honest question. I mean, I, I, I'm asking myself, that. what did I offer to you on this morning? Was it fueled, was it motivated by the knowledge of the greatness of Jesus Christ? Or did I offer a blind man? You see, you cannot worship without seeing him. Look at Matthew 28, 17. Matthew 28, 17. When they, what? What did they do? Saw him, what followed next? You cannot worship without, you cannot truly worship without seeing Christ. In some wonderful, spiritual, faith igniting way. You cannot worship Christ. You can know about him, 
you can say about them, but when you see him, right, when you see him, you worship him. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Amen? We want our worship as a church to be fueled out of an encounter with Christ, right, throughout the week. Having, having seen Christ, me, having seen Christ in His Word, right? having seen Christ in all these different ways to sustain Him, and then you come to church, it's a different story. It's not just another day to check off on my religious like checklist. It's this idea I, I've come to see and to savor Christ. Amen? Well, I'm going to stop. I wanna, I wanna, I'll deal with lame, lame worship. No pun intended. <laughs> That's kind of lame, right? We, you, we use that phrase. That's lame. Well, you know what they were offering also in Malachi? Lame worship. That's a different kind of issue. We'll pick that up next week. Some people, don't, some people offer uh, blind worship. Some people offer worship that is lame. We want to get that because we, we want to understand as pastors, God help us to walk this out as faithful shepherds. God has put a, a mandate on us. We, Rod and I are actually going through trying to come up with a church membership covenant thing. And we're getting serious. We, we're saying, okay, no. We're putting aside all of the cultural stuff and saying we're going to just respond to the Lord because we're going to have to give account to God, not to the culture. So we're asking God for wisdom. We're asking you guys to pray for us. But we're, these messages are actually helping me to understand the responsibility, help and run, uh, to help help us both together to understand God is calling us to seek the sheep out. Who is really God's call to be a part of this fellowship? And I'm trusting and believing God that many of you say, yes, we're going to be together. But we're going to put some things together to help, help us. It's going to be perfect. But we're going to do the best we can with praying and asking God to give us wisdom. We don't want to offer animal, blind animals. We don't want to, oh, we don't want to accidentally offer a lame animal in worship. We don't want, we want God to give us wisdom. How do we guard ourselves against these kinds of false worship? How do we guard ourselves against polluting the altar where it defiles the entire church? How do we do that, Lord? I, I, I like what Paul says. We're not sufficient for these things. But God is. Amen? And so I want you guys to pray for us. And pray for you. Pray for yourself to God. I want to be part of a church that really takes these things serious. See, most people don't want a church where this is taken seriously. People want the freedom to do whatever they want and bring whatever worship they want. That's just the reality of the situation today in our land. Right? Um, so, and that's fine. Everyone will have, everyone's free to make a decision on their own. There will be no manipulation, no coercion. You'll be free. But we, we want, we want, we're going to have to give account to God for, for you. And we want to know who, we want, who are we going to give account for. And so we're, we're really taking these things seriously. We're asking God to help us to seek them out. Help us to find a way to carefully inspect and to, and to, and to differentiate. We're asking God for that. I don't, I don't know how to do that yet. We'll figure it out. Amen? But we need your prayers. Because this word is true. Amen. Abby, why don't you come? This is a good prayer for some of you, Mike. How many what is the quality of your worship? Why don't we stand?
Are you offering to God a blind animal and you're not even aware of it? Are you absolutely certain that your worship is accepted by God? Now, of course, worship is more than just coming to church on Sunday and singing. Hope you know that. It's your whole life. But there's something about the corporate worship that is unique in its worship. Are you worship? Are you giving offering to God? A sacrifice that really doesn't know anything of no Christ for yourself, experiences goodness, and it's not fueling worship. You just come to church because you think it's the right thing to do. I might as well think this is going to help me. I don't want to go to hell. Well, you know what? All those things may be true, but that's not, you can believe all that, and it's still a blind animal because that, that doesn't mean you know the Lord. Anybody would say that. Nobody wants to go to hell. We want everybody wants their lives to be to be good in some measure, right? Everybody wants that. That's not the issue. The issue is, is my heart thrilled with Jesus Christ? I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. Is your heart thrilled? It's not, it's not, you know, like like if you tell me, Emmanuel. Is your heart thrilled for uh, Margaret Thatcher? I'll be like, no. <laughs> if you ask me, uh, Emmanuel, um, are you thrilled um, for um, Kevin Dark Garnett? Yeah. No. There's <laughs> nothing there. I, 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 I'm in touch with my emotions. Right? I mean, I'm not like, well, I think I am. No, I'm not. I'm not. I just, there's nothing there. I respect him. But I'm not thrilled. You know, is Are you thrilled with Jesus Christ? Serious question. Is your heart. Jesus is the sweetest name, I know. Jesus is the sweetest name, I know. Could you sing that throughout the day? Or is it just like, uh, I, honestly, I'm, I'm not that thrilled with Jesus. And then you know what? It's like, oh, okay. You know, don't, don't have to be condemned about it. You know? it's, it's okay. 99% of the world is not thrilled with Jesus Christ. But the first thing is recognizing I'm, my heart is not thrilled with Jesus Christ. And I, honestly, it's, a, it's hard to read my Bible. I don't really pray that much. Man, just be honest. I can't remember the last time he was so sweet to my soul and I just burst in tears. <laughs> and like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, some of you have never really experienced that probably. And I really want you to experience that. I really want you to know how sweet he is. Amen? 
And so this is not to condemn, this is not, but this is to encourage you. Because too often times we, we're dealing with surface issues and I'm okay, you okay, I'm okay, you okay, I'm okay, you okay, and then years go by and this one abandoned the shape, this one shipwrecked. Because we never really, never really confronted and inspected carefully. But we just let it slide. We want to stop doing that. Amen? We want to we press the issue. Do you know the Lord? And if not, then humble yourself. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Please, I'm saying, God, I want to know you. I mean, the Bible says Samuel. Here's Samuel. He's in the house. Samuel, little Samuel. He's in the house, but it says he had not yet known the Lord. All right. You know, so, you know, but, the, but, the, but eventually Samuel came into an encounter with God. Amen. And God is inviting every one of us. I believe that. If you're here, God is inviting. Come, 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 come. And some of us just like, well, it was nice service. And they go right back. And I just, I, I want to just encourage you. If that's you today. That's why, you know, we're asking God to move wonderfully. Uh, our hearts are burdened for many of you. Um, we, we hear things and we say, oh, God, you know, Others that have been here, no longer here. We're burdened for those people that left. You know, saying, do, do they really know Christ? What good is it to me that we, we sing, we worship, we, we delight, but then people are not moving towards Christ? I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just hurtful at times. We're going to sing that song, What Joy is Found. Maybe a little humility, a little honesty. Say, and you can come up here. And say, oh God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. You know what? This thing, Sarah had the song in her heart. And it, and it just popped up. Knowing you. I mean, she told me this morning to the song, and I think this is just God. Knowing you, all I once held dear, built my life upon, all this world reveres and wars to all. All I once thought gained, I've counted loss, spent and worthless now compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Wouldn't that be wonderful that you, you can enter into the spirit of that one day in your own room, in your bedroom, and you're just caught up and say, oh God, where have I been? Where have I been? I've got to church all my life. But you're so sweet in the honeycomb. I want to encourage you. He is so sweet. Now, if you're indifferent to that, may God have mercy on your soul. But if you feel the pull of God, say, oh, man, I really want that. I want to encourage you to come and ask him, and he will not let you down. Hallelujah.
your eyes and just look, let the Holy Spirit just speak to you. Don't, don't be in a rush. All the time that just quenches the Holy Spirit.
Father, we are so grateful, Lord, for our hearts, oh God, just yearning, oh God, to our lives to be a living sacrifice. sacrifice and praise. In the temple, Lord, the incense was not to, ever to be put out, but day and night they would, the light would burn. And I just ask you, Lord, that there would be a work of the Holy Spirit today. You spoke, Lord. I believe that you're speaking. May there be Jesus, a, Lord, a wonderful, a wonderful work in the hearts of the people today. Oh, God, that you would help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Oh, God, you know, you, all of Lord, redemptive history took a turn because Abel offered an offering that was pleasing to you. Cain offering and offered an offering that you had no regard for. Oh God, how often so many offer offerings that you have no regard for. Because they don't know you. So I pray today, Lord, sanctify the offering of your people. I love the promise in Malachi that you are going to come and purify the sons of Levi so that they might offer offerings in righteousness. And I'm asking you to do that at Hope Community Church and begin with me. Purify, Lord. Let there be an, an ever-increasing worship and a praise wherever I go. Lord, that I, Lord, even as that great song will say, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Oh God, I pray for that magnificent work of the Holy Spirit. Do that in all of us, Jesus. Perfect our offering and draw us to you every day. Let this week be a good week of worship, a week of songs, a week of just delighting in Jesus Christ. Whatever this week might bring, they cannot take that away from us. We can worship God. Neither, we don't need to go to this mountain or that mountain. And so Father, thank you for the access that we have by the blood of Jesus Christ to come in and to offer offerings acceptable through Christ. And so we thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much for your great mercies to us. Continue to, Lord God, Lord, uh, deal with us, God. Help us to, Lord, any areas of, of compromise and sin, help us overcome them, confess them, turn away from them, so that our worship, Lord, may be pleasing to you. So thank you so much today, Father. I pray a blessing upon everyone that came out today. Encourage them as they go home. Let them press on to know the Lord. You're calling us. The hour is late, Lord. 
the days of evil. We need to find refuge in you alone. So I pray, oh God, that this week we will find refuge in Christ. So thank you today, Lord. Thank you for your mercies. Bless the people as they go home. Fill them with joy. Fill them with hope. I pray that God, you would just bring great, great uh, work in this place. And we will give you all the glory and the honor. We submit all these things into your hands. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Enjoy. Don't go in the blessing of God. Seek Him this week. Let us press on to know the Lord. And let us press on tonight. To come to my house, 6 o'clock, right? <laughs> God bless you. We'll be there tonight. Hope we can see most of you, right? God bless you.
like your height. Thank you. 